Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, sitting alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, we're another day closer to Packers-Cowboys Sunday in Dallas, AT&T Stadium, 325 Central Time kickoff. Pretty much a nationally televised game from what I understand. No, like, pretty much about it, the Mike. Whole, the whole it country is, is going to see this one. And in a really neat little uh, part of that as well, I was confirming this with our boss, Duke Bobber, it actually will be it can be streamed live uh, online as well because it's open to the entire national viewing public as there well. There you go. So, a lot of eyeballs on this game. Yes, there will be a lot of eyeballs on this game, and for good reason, not just because of the Packers and the Cowboys and their fan bases, but it's two teams that are 3-1. and one. Yeah. And one of these teams, both of these teams fighting to get to 4-1, and one, one of them will get there. And with regards to the Packers, as Green Bay began its practice week on Wednesday to prepare for this game, some good news on the injury front in that right tackle, Brian Balaga, was back on the practice field, uh, limited capacity due to the shoulder injury. But having him back at practice with a lot of uncertainty elsewhere, and we'll get into some of the ramifications here as well, but Jamal Williams didn't practice. He's in the concussion protocol. Devontae Adams did not practice, still dealing with the toe injury. The fact that The fact that Balaga was back out there and you can go into a really, really tough road environment with those two bookends potentially in Bakhtiari and Balaga to handle those edge rushers, Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence, that could be a really, really big factor in this game for Green Bay. Unequivocally. I mean, it's going to be critical, I think, for the Packers to have Balaga available now. We're shooting this before Thursday's padded practice. So right. We'll see exactly what he's able to do if he's able to go for that. But the fact, when you're coming off – an injury that sidelines you for the rest of the ball game. You and I have been doing this long enough. You don't always anticipate seeing those guys at Wednesday's practice. And Balaga was out there. And, you know, I was talking a couple weeks ago when I wrote the story about him and we were discussing some of the history of him in Green Bay. I mean, I really think his toughness gets overlooked by a lot of people and what he's played through. There have been some injuries, but he's also played at a pretty high level through, uh, you know, a, a course of, you know, different setbacks. So, Right now, I tip my cap to Alex Light. I thought he did a really nice job trying to come in there, allowing the Packers' other four offensive linemen to stay in their best spot. But everybody knows, I mean, this line is at its best when Brian Balaga is available. And in that environment, with the communication issues that could be in play with how loud it gets within in AT&T Stadium, I think it would be really important for them to have Balaga for this one. Yeah, and you said it. His toughness can get overlooked at times because he is a guy who – in the course of his career, has missed some time with significant injuries. But what's gotten overlooked are the times that he has played through a lot of things that would sideline other players. And Aaron Rodgers commented on this Wednesday after practice that uh, he gives Brian Balaga a lot of credit for the things that he has fought through over the years to be out there to help the team. It's it's certainly a pride thing with him it's a pride thing for a lot of players in the locker room to do whatever it takes to get ready to go but Rogers specifically pointed out Balaga and Devontae Adams in this respect because even as Adams has not yet returned to the practice field nobody's necessarily ruling him out quite yet for right. Sunday it's still a, a wait and see thing there and Rogers said there are just some guys who are who are born with the type of toughness, the the type of dedication, and the personal drive that they will do whatever it takes to get out there. And uh, and he certainly complimented both Balaga and Adams 
on uh, that aspect of what they bring to the locker room. Yeah, so two different things here. If Balaga is able to go on Sunday, it'll actually be his 100th career start already, yeah, regular season start of his oh, career. Wow, I didn't realize So a that. nice little feather in his cap being able to accomplish that. From Devontae Adams, it's very interesting when you look at his story, what has become his story over the last five years. We, we, you, it is impossible to beat the horse any more dead than it already is about <laughs> what happened in 2015 with right, him. Right. There is no moisture left in that thing. I mean, it is done. But the one thing that very few people talk about is what he battled through that year. Then First, I believe it was the ankle. Then it was the knee injury. And I think it was Rodgers even commented. I mean, he basically was playing on one leg for most of that season. But yet he went out there and not once, other than what the injury report said, not once did he ever go to his locker and make excuses about it. Never said it was an issue until the following year. So, yeah, I mean, would it surprise me if he played? Absolutely not. I mean, because I think he's put that out there that, you know what, he'll lay it on the line for the team. What the Packers have to balance here is trying to get him healthy as possible, as soon as possible, because we're still another month away, actually about five weeks away, I think, from the bye week. From the bye week, yeah. So there is mm-hmm. a lot of ground to cover here. There are some road trips coming in. You get the extra day coming after this, you know, going into the Detroit game, but you know, you got to be smart with Devontae Adams, too. So seeing exactly what that plan is going to be, I know a lot of the young guys in the locker room at that position talking about if we need to step up, we're ready to do it, because you know, you want to have Devontae Adams for this game, but you also want to have him for the whole season. That's the question the Packers will have to answer going into Sunday. Yeah, well, that will be the interesting thing as this game unfolds on Sunday with regards to, you said it, some of these younger skill position players who don't have a lot of experience but potentially will be called upon at the receiver position. If Adams can't play, you're looking at guys like Jake Kumaro, who obviously played last year, but he's missed the last two games now. He hasn't really gotten a whole lot of snaps so far in 2019. And then the guys like Alan Lazard and Darius Shepard at wide receiver who were on the field down the stretch against the Philadelphia Eagles when Adams had exited with that toe injury. And then you look at the running back position. If Jamal Williams does not get cleared through the concussion protocol to be active for Sunday, Dexter Williams, the rookie sixth-round draft pick out of Notre Dame, He's been a healthy scratch the first four weeks. He's been one of the seven uh, game day inactives when you pair the roster down from 53 to 46 for game day. He has not been on a game day 46 yet, but signs certainly pointing to that very distinct possibility, and uh, he could get thrown into the fire right away. Yeah, because, you know, with with Williams, you're going to want to be careful with that. Packers have not made any comment yet on what his forecast is. It's just nice to see him around the building, but... Concussion protocol is a concussion protocol, and he was a non-participant on Wednesday. So that being said, it opened up a lot of opportunities for Dexter Williams to be that number two back right now to Aaron Jones. And, you know, Williams is a very uh, modest uh, guy. I mean, he's not clamoring for snaps. He's saying he's staying ready if he needs to be ready. But the most poignant comments I felt were actually when we were chatting with Ben Sermons last week, the Packers running backs coach on Friday. Yeah. And he said, you know, you don't know until you know. You need to get him out in a game to actually see, okay, has he fully ingested everything? But from his vantage point in the classroom, seeing him in practice, he feels like he's seen a guy mature with his football IQ and what's being asked of him in his assignments. He says he doesn't have a concern with him right now with his pass protection. Certainly there are elements of his game. He's not a finished, polished product. But in terms of where he's come in the last four or five months, Sermons feels like it's significant. 
make no mistakes, this is still the Aaron Jones show, and it will be the Aaron Jones show on Sunday, but Jones played 66 of 79 snaps last week. Danny Vitale spelled him a little bit in a couple third down situations, but for the most part, it was all Aaron Jones. You're going to want to be smart with that. So if Dexter Williams needs to get called upon for a handful of snaps here and there, even a designed run or two, that's going to be something they're going to need him to do. Because to be perfectly honest with you, if you take away the pass protection and some of the issues with his drops, I was really impressed with him as a runner, as a natural runner during the training camp. You could see the explosiveness. He has a really quick first step when he's running between the tackles. It's just finding the elements, the other elements of the game and rounding those out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's about about rounding out those other facets for him to become a complete player because when he's playing running back and taking handoffs, he looks like he belongs. He's looked like he has belonged in the NFL from day one in that regard, but we saw through training camp in the preseason some issues with trying to catch passes out of the backfield, some issues with pass protection. Those are the things that he needs to work on to get his game to the level where he has the complete trust of the offensive yeah. coaches, of quarterback Aaron Rodgers. This is one of those things that to me is interesting, especially when you're talking about two defensive coaches for the D- Dallas Cowboys. I almost said the wrong team name there. For the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, who have been around a long time and been doing this a long time, and I'm talking about Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard, right. who are the the coordinator, play caller, however you want to divide those duties between those two guys. But you just wonder, okay, if they see Dexter Williams come into the huddle as the lone running back, they know this guy's a rookie. They know he hasn't been on a game day 46. Does that prompt a blitz call what what are they going to do to test him because this game is all about matchups and the coordinators the the coaches who are calling plays and stuff it's always about personnel it's about who's in who's in which huddle and what are the matchups we can take advantage of so you have to know that Dexter Williams is going to be on his p's and q's with blitz pickup you can't just hope that you can put him in there and then they're not going to blitz because uh, there's a good chance they will. So this is what I like about Matt LaFleur's system, though. Mike McCarthy, at the end of it, a lot of times you needed those guys to be three-down running backs because they wanted to stay with the no huddle. They wanted to be able to just stick with 11 personnel a lot of times, and okay, that's what you're running with. Matt LaFleur, it's a lot more inviting, I think, for a young running back. That's no disrespect to McCarthy's system. It worked great. But with LaFleur, I think you can bring in Dexter Williams. You can have Danny Vitale in the backfield. You can run play action off of that. You can get the wheel route going again with Vitale. You can get the tight ends incorporated. You can bring it in a little bit more than when it was really spread out. You know, sure. Pass, you know, pass protection at a premium, shotgun, pistol-type formations. That's where I think you could get... Williams going and then the other aspect of it too is that Matt LaFleur is not he has no reservations whatsoever if you followed the offense the last three weeks he's willing to change personnel after first down second down he can mix and match there whereas with McCarthy it was a lot of times sitting in those same packages and okay if you're the first down running back you got to be ready to be pass protecting on third and three as well so that is the one area that I think could allow Dexter Williams to come in and maybe have a specific game plan role if he's if that's what they feel they want to do. Right. The one aspect of it, though, as you point out, is you want to make sure there aren't those tells there when you do introduce a new player that, okay, this is what they're running, 
and this is how they're going to try to do it. Right, and 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 then the other side is saying, okay, we know what they're going to run if if there's a tendency involved there. So what's our best way to attack that and to get them out of that plan? Yeah. So that's the kind of chess match that goes on throughout four quarters of an NFL game. And just to touch quickly on the receiver situation, let's say for whatever reason Devontae Adams doesn't go. If I'm going to be Chris Richard or if I'm going to be you know Rod Marinelli, you're looking at the scheme. I think the natural thing would be keeping more safety attention over to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Let's say they do that because I think when you get Devontae and MVS going at the same time, that's the danger, right? Because Devontae can draw the extra attention and MVS can beat people one-on-one down the field. If that is the direction they go, and this is the scenario that plays out, a lot of hypotheticals here, that's when it comes down to guys winning their one-on-ones. I don't care if you're a tight end. I don't care if you're a receiver. I don't care if you're Dexter Williams or Aaron Jones, Danny Vitale. You have to win your one-on-one matchups in the run game, in the pass game. You have to be able to have multiple players step up if they're going to draw attention to one guy. That's going to be the biggest key here, depending on exactly how this situation unfolds with Adams this week. Yeah, and another thing I want to mention, too, with regards to the receivers, Darius Shepard, the undrafted rookie from North Dakota State, we all know the last, what turned out to be the last play of the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. They were running a, a two-man route with MVS and Shepard, and Rodgers decided to go quick with the slant to MVS. The ball gets deflected up in the air, intercepted, pass interference probably but it's water under the bridge but Rodgers said immediately after the game hey if I hold the ball a tick longer Darius Shepard's wide open in the corner we get that game tied up you know we're going to overtime Larry McCarron pointed out something in our three things video that we did after practice yesterday where he was looking at the film and saw a play late in the game where Shepard was at receiver after Adams had exited the game and it was a play that was an incomplete pass to Geronimo Allison. He was the primary read. Rodgers went there right away, and it was incomplete. But Darius Shepard had completely beaten his man and was open down the seam. Now, the reason I point that out is because when it comes to the film room, Aaron Rodgers doesn't miss a thing. Right. He knows on that play, now heading into Dallas, on that play, that formation, that Darius Shepard beat his man and was open. And so... And then obviously, as I mentioned before, the last play of the game, he was open for the touchdown as well. Those are the kinds of things that Aaron Rodgers files away in the back of his mind. And if Darius Shepard is thrown into a significant role in the game on Sunday, those are the types of plays that Aaron Rodgers will be thinking about. It's a great point and obviously a wonderful observation from Larry as well, bringing, being able to you know, kind of pinpoint that. This is also what makes, I think, Geronimo Allison so valuable to this offense and what they want to do. We talked all offseason about him being in the slot, but he can play boundary you know, perimeter as well. Sure. So that allows you to potentially mix and match there, go with Shepard more in the slot. Because I think we'd all agree that that's where he's probably going to make his money in this league is operating in that that prox- those close proximity, close quarters. Yeah. And I, dude, we saw it all summer long. I mean, yes, you have to keep into account in these preseason games the type of competition he was facing. But Darius Shepard was with the one offense, you know, basically from OTAs on. He was getting rotated in there. He did it throughout training camp. He knows what it's like to be in there against the likes of Tremont Williams and Jair Alexander and the upper echelon of that position in this league. I'm going to say this right now. If he ends up being called upon against Dallas or in these weeks to come, regardless of what the situation is with Adams, that situation is not going to be too big for that young man. Yeah. Here's another thing I want to get your opinion on quickly before we go today, because I'm going to potentially write about this a little bit later in the week. And what I'm talking about is the Packers 
run of success in that building, AT and T right. Stadium. Whether you're talking about Super Bowl Forty Five, the Matt Flynn comeback in Thirteen, the playoff game at the uh, in the Sixteen postseason January of Twenty Seventeen, and then the Twenty Seventeen regular season game. Packers have won four straight there. Now the games in 16 and 17 are obviously the most recent ones. So when you're talking about guys like veteran guys like Corey Lindsley, right. David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, Blake Martinez, Kenny Clark, guys like that who were part of those games and part of those big victories, I'm just curious what your feeling is on how much confidence do guys like that walk into a building with when – they're in a venue where they've experienced not just success, but significant big victories. I'm just wondering from a psyche standpoint, what does that do? Because they're not going to stand there in the locker room and say, no. you know, to put something on the bulletin board for the Cowboys. Like, yeah, we we definitely believe when we walk in the building, we're going to win the game. But I I think there's something to it. I, I don't know. Maybe there isn't. I, I'm going to be careful with this analogy, okay, that yeah. I'm about to use. But I do want to make a point off it. I'm not trying to illustrate anything and taking it <laughs> out of context. But we like to walk our dog, Kevin. He's a wonderful little pup. He is. We go over to Voyager Park, okay? Okay. Kevin has certain areas of that park that he has been to before, and he has maybe marked, and he always darts for those same trees. Okay. I'm not trying to say that that's what the Green Bay Packers have done, but <laughs> there is a familiarity. This is quite the analogy here, Wes. There is a familiarity for a lot of those veterans with AT&T Stadium, and you cannot tell me. And this goes both ways. There's been places, too. I mean, we talk about U.S. Bank and how difficult oh, yeah, it's been the Packers, for the Packers to Packers play Packers haven't won a game there yet. Ford Field recently has been difficult. But there's a lot of positive memories right now for the Green Bay Packers yeah. in AT&T Stadium. That venue for those veteran players, it's not just victories. It's comebacks. It's emotional wins. It's playoff victories. They are as big and as important as they get in this league. And the number one player that, st- that stems from all that is Aaron Rodgers. He has seen it all. He's done it all in that stadium. And, I, again, when you have that type of you know, recall, experience, I'm not saying it's going to be decided the outcome in this game. We know that these things can shift on a dime. But in terms of confidence going in there and understanding the venue and knowing what you're looking for, there is a number of players in this team from different generations and versions of the Packers that have experienced that success in there, and they want to taste it again on Sunday. Yeah, and the other thing Rodgers pointed out, too, that I thought was interesting is in all of the Packers' trips into that stadium, obviously the Super Bowl was a whole different uh, can of worms, so to speak, because it wasn't against the Dallas Cowboys. It's the it's the 50-50 right. crowd you know, at a Super Bowl. But in the other, the other games, one where Rodgers is on the sideline because Matt Flynn is playing, and then the other two in recent years, there's been a pretty decent Packers following that there is has. that has you know gotten its hands on tickets and and shown up and the Packers have heard those fans at 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 and T Stadium. Now that's a it's a huge stadium, massive crowd, and yes, it gets loud in there. It doesn't get as loud as some of the more compact indoor yeah, stadiums I think open. that we've that we've seen open. in the league just because the place is is so massive. But those Packers fans have made themselves heard and I think with the start the Packers have gotten off to this year I would expect there will be a similar you know Packer contingent uh, in the stands on Sunday I think so and especially since we have our pep rally on Saturday night and everybody's gonna be revved up from getting their Mike Spofford autograph so they're gonna want to go and cheer on the (laughs) football team after that sure no but here's the other thing too Mike I mean you got snowbirds that'll that you know 
live down in the you know south arizona and those type of things so it's a really easy easy trip there's people from green bay that enjoy making that little that little jaunt uh south especially as the the temperatures start to cool off here and then the other thing is too dallas is a great area uh dallas arlington all that that surrounding spot uh, I, I've always loved being down there. I, I've been to you know uh, San Antonio a couple times. I mean, it's just a neat experience, uh, and especially with how much they appreciate football down there. And you are talking about a, a one of a kind stadium with the big yes. fifty yard jumbo, fifty yard wide jumbotron in the middle of the field, and and the whole deal. It really is. But, it, it's an interesting place. What makes it so awesome, though, Mike? It's almost like a city unto itself when you get over by AT and T. Yeah, that's true. This isn't. There's so many places we go to Pittsburgh, and they're wonderful stadiums, Heinz Field. And they are just, they are smack dab downtown. I think Baltimore's like that. There's a lot of areas where it's just, it's the stadium in the city. The way that they built AT&T, it's sort of just out by itself. and Next it, to the baseball stadium. Next to the baseball that, stadium. Where the Rangers have right. played, yeah. But you're not in like downtown Dallas. Correct, so absolutely. For that reason, it just it's it's like its own community. And the times I've been there, the Press Gazette, when I used to work there, we'd go out and we'd do Periscopes and Facebook Lives out in the crowd, you know, out in the parking lot. And it never was very contentious. It's always was really inviting. As bitter as that rivalry was back in the 90s, and I'm not saying it's still not heated now, it's just it's a really cool atmosphere to be a part of. So if I'm a Packers fan, long answer to a short question, that's why I'd be interested in going, just because it is such a cool experience I think anyone should, everyone should you know, check out at least once. Well, I think for a Week 5 early October NFL game, I think it's going to have quite the atmosphere. And as we started uh, off talking about on the show – the whole country is going to get to see it, whether you're in the stadium or whether you're at home or whether you're riding a bus with your phone in your hand. You can catch this game, right? So, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fans watching this on one for Packers. sure. Packers.com, too. We go. You can check that one out. So, right. what an era, Mike. Here we go. New day. All right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you please, on Twitter. He's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.